0: what's up everyone welcome back to the awaken your champion podcast i'm your host sarah acerbo and i'm very excited to bring on my friend um fellow student and special guest to this podcast ryan conklin so welcome ryan
1: thank you so much
0: Yes, thank you for having me, or having me. Well, being on a podcast. <laughs>
1: yeah, of course. I'm um, excited to join you.
0: Yeah, I'm very excited. Um, I so for everyone listening, um, Ryan and I are in a year long intensive life coaching program, transformation program, and we are both in the same cohort, so we're both in the same um same program and going through a very deep internal transformation learning how to coach in a way I've never experienced before and Ryan is one of the most wise deep magical introspective people I've ever met and so I'm very excited to bring him on this podcast so Ryan I would love if you wanted to give a little intro and just a tell everyone kind of more about yourself and who you are.
1: Sure, well, super excited to be in this uh, conversation with you today. Um, So are we being joined by your pup?
0: Yes, she's whining. (laughs) That's okay,
1: follow the magic.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) So uh, from this place, um, I'm a nature-rooted transformational leadership coach, a student of old maps and myths, a storytelling tracker, and a tender of grief. Um, My background has me uh, early days walking the deserts of Tucson and Las Vegas, uh, coming of age in San Diego through college, and making my way to the Rocky Mountains to play as snowboarder and snowboard photographer, spending the greater part of my life within the four walls of of restaurant and in the, in the service and context of hospitality but where my path has me now today is it's really in service of others as they start to weave themselves a new path as they navigate the wild inside and bring that back into connection with the wild outside
0: mm. ryan can you when you say like wild inside and wild outside, like, what does that mean?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I could turn that back and say, what does it mean to you? But, um, you know, maybe this is a moment for the listeners to ask themselves in this moment, what, what could that mean? And just to take a breath and just to place your hand on your heart and just, just ask like, what is the wild inside? And do we know that place? or is that an unfamiliar place and what is our relationship with the wild outside for me the wild inside is a place of both primal and divine it's a place of magic and mystery and old wisdom waiting to be remembered and where all of that weaves together with all that's coming in in our modern world and what's happening between the two? What's happening between the two? Um, how they communicate? How they create uh, a reality? And what meaning we make of that? And the wild outside for me um, is everything, and it's 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 the faraway places, the deep desolation that exists uh, way out in the old growth or the desolate landscapes of the desert. And it's also sitting with that lone tree in that suburban neighborhood and just noticing it has roots that go down into ecosystems that were once wild and natural before the buildings.
2: Hmm.
0: So how I see it is... I feel like society has kind of taught us to live a certain way and taught us to believe in certain things that almost limits us. It does Mm -hmm. limit us. And this is just my perspective on it, but I see it as naturally we do have this like wildness to us, this play to us, this like primal instinct Mm -hmm. to us um, in the sense of like athletics that's very valuable to have that like competitive, playful like working like warrior within you and when we can tap into that and like unleash it because it never really goes away it brings out this power this play, this remembering that we can do anything and that we really are limitless. Um, so I'm curious, like, what your thoughts are on that, and maybe your perspective on because I you told everyone to ask themselves, but I'm yeah. curious, what your perspective is.
1: Yeah, my perspective is my place, the place that I arrive. Um into sports was through play. It was through a a deep wanting to belong to something. And um, my purest presence in sports, and just for context, my background in sports is um, lots and lots of baseball. Not great at offense, (laughs) Mm -hmm. super good at defense, Um, very high level goalkeeper all the way up to, to the edge of college dedication to both of those a little bit of basketball again terrible at offense <laughs> <laughs> um I yeah, was lot yeah okay um I was a smaller a smaller child for my age you know strength-wise and so it had me just wiry and all over the place to be stopping and catching but not so much like propelling things <clears throat> um yeah so the the place in Sports that drew me in was the play part. And I think where oftentimes we forget is athletes are human and human is all about belonging and play and just pureness. And so as the evolution of sports goes and performance, whether it be life or sports call us to perform better, slowly we're drawn away from the thing or the place where we entered, which is play. And so what i what really struck me was just hearing hearing the invitation or the call to the to the play or the playfulness in sports mm.
0: what what's the value in like in your own like your own perspective
2: mm-hmm.
0: bringing Back play to sport because that's something that I've seen um personally and just like being around athletes like I think like because the level of athletics has evolved so much we're breaking like world records and the level of competitiveness has continued to get better I almost I see that like it's almost like the play kind of went away it's become like a work and, like, a job and something, like, there's, like, this urgency to it. And the more I kind of dive into play and creativity and making that a priority in my life, the more I see that that actually helps my performance in all areas of my life. So I'm wondering, like, what, what is, um, like, what do you think is, like, the value of play? Like, what do you Yeah, no question.
1: Yeah, I'm tracking. Uh, I think at its core, the value of play, uh, let me just mention that like where I'm coming from is not as a high-performance athlete right now, mm-hmm. someone yeah. that's nature-connected and not so much in that space anymore. But where this really resonates to me is is of the concept that you can't suppress things selectively so if you're suppressing say play by being more serious or being hyper-focused on performance in some ways you're actually suppressing other things in your life and so by being with play or being more playful by bringing joy into the act you get to be more present you get to be in that flow state where time stops Everything falls away. And the only thing you're really, really with is if there's a ball, the ball, people that are on the field. And the whole reason why you arrived to that place, whether it be today or the first time, was just play. Just play and belonging and connection where you could be playing all evening and turn around and like it's dark and you're like, oh, shit, it's dark. Mm. It was a moment where none of that mattered when we were kids. And it was just like all of a sudden for me, I grew up at a time where like, boom, the, the dinner bell's ringing. And I'm like, oh, shit, like I need to get home. And that to me is where I think sports exists at its highest is when you see some of the top performers, they're playful, they're light. They don't have stiffness in their bodies. You see some of the top runners, and they have flexibility and flow, just really, really tensionless while their muscles are still moving at high, high capacity.
0: Yes. That was really well said and like described. Um I've sort of started diving into like I've dove a little bit into like flow state and um like what that is. And for anyone's not sure, like flow state is essentially, like, being completely present in the moment, Um, but it's also basically known as, like, the ideal performance state, so it's not just, it's for athletes, like, athletes want to be in that flow state, but even, like, creatives, like, when you're just, like, in that flow of, like, writing or creating a piece of art, like, you're just totally, like, not even aware of what's going on, you're just totally present to What you're doing and everything else falls away and that comes from like enjoying what you're doing it's really hard if not i'd say almost impossible to like be in that state if you're like stressing over what you're doing
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i would agree i would totally agree that the efforting to do or create a specific outcome moves you further away from that flow state
0: um so this kind of goes along with like what we're saying about play and being present um for me nature has I've spent a lot more time in nature the past year and a half um and it's done so many things to me one of the things has it's helped me ground and get back to that present moment and so I do want to talk to you more about nature because that's one of the sure. reasons I had you on mm-hmm. um because that's a huge part of kind of what you're doing. So can you kind of tell us a bit more of like, what's, what's so intriguing about nature to you? Like mm. what about it is, why is it important?
1: Mm. Well, I'll share uh, rather than tell, just because this is like not a blanket thing, but for me, um, there's a teaching that came to me. I was actually reminded of it last night, uh, that we're all born stone age people. We're all born very primal. Like We don't know anything about buildings. We don't know anything about modern society. And for two million years behind us, all there was was stone and river and tree and dirt and primal wilderness. We lived there. And then come along the industrial revolution. And this is our reality now. And so in our body, in our bones, is this memory of the old ways. Mm. And so if we're living in the context of society and steel and concrete, and this is the new way, which it works pretty rad actually. Um, but we're only accessing ourself through that. And not through the other part of the experience, we're missing out on so much of our primal wisdom, so much of our ancestral, ancestral inside of our body knowing. So by bringing myself back in connection with that uh, through repetition, I'm remembering the places inside of me that are really seeking to come alive, bringing myself back in communication with the more than spirit or more than human world. I'm bringing myself down from the heartbeat of society, which on some levels can be a tremendous tempo to what the heartbeat of the planet, what the heartbeat of earth would be, which would be a very smooth and slow step that takes three seconds. Mm. So for anyone that's listening, if you really want to feel what it feels like to move at the speed of the heartbeat of earth, go on a walk and take only one step every three seconds and see how much you notice inside of your body, inside of your being and going on around you. It's hard. Let me just say that first. (laughs) It sounds simple and it is. And it's not easy. If you can take one step every second, you're getting closer. That's way easier. It's still uncomfortably slow. But the further you get away from the modern tempo or modern heartbeat and the closer you get to the primal heartbeat, the heartbeat of the planet, the more you start to understand what we're talking about so first invitation from what this conversation is bringing into people's life is after the walk or after the conversation after you listen to this podcast go outside fill your lungs with some fresh air and take a walk going nowhere and try to take a step as slow as one every three seconds and let it still be smooth not a step and pause, but one step every three seconds. Nice and slow.
0: I'm going to do that after this. <laughs> yeah. Huh. I'm, um, how did you, I'm going to backtrack. How do you get so? like, how did this all find you? Like, how did you discover, like, realize all this about getting reconnected with nature and with earth?
1: Mm. Yeah, I think it's worth a short story and orientation here. But growing up in Tucson, like, as a child, the doors would open. Out I'd go first without permission. (laughs) You know, there's certainly pictures of me wearing nothing, but my dad's cowboy boots, just running out the street, like at two years old. And then there's the, at four and five years old, disappearing into the desert and chasing horny toads and looking for rabbits and coyotes. So for me, it was immediate, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, In Las Vegas, more of the same. In college, it was snowboarding, and surfing, Uh, moving into Colorado. It was starting to be more in relationship with nature as a a partner rather than an explorer because I was seeking to bring business to life through professional snowboard photography. Mm -hmm. Um, And just being out there always like six days a week and going and playing and communing with the trees and the snow and just listening to silence. And then there was a moment uh, at a certain point where I completely lost connection with nature, you know, where I hadn't been in the forest in seven years. It was very disorienting. Mm. Wild inside got really solid. Like there was just nothing really moving. Excuse me, nothing really moving. And then found myself longing to go camping again. But really to come back to your question, it was through modeling. It was through other people in my life calling me, hearing a call, you know, so I got a chance to go on um, a men's work retreat where we went into uh, a little bit more depth with nature. This house was out, you know, 10 miles down a dirt road. And the final activity that we did was to hear the story of how long human relationship is Uh, The two million years, and if you look at the last eighth of an inch, that's where we're in relationship with concrete and steel. Mm. And the rest of it, we're in communication with the wild. So the invitation was to get back in communication with the wild, to step towards the wilderness that we were standing in, to hold the question deep in our heart, and to carry it into the land, going nowhere, just going And wandering slowly listening to what's happening around you what's that rock what's that cactus what's that tree where does my body want to go and letting the answer of the land come back to you sometimes it's an answer sometimes it's another question and so through that work was where my invitation to really go deeper was actually hearing That if you listen carefully enough, everything
0: is talking. Mm. That's deep. Yeah. With. So I used to be like raised Catholic and kind of like taught. uh, That I don't have a lot of power and. That. God is separate from uh, um, us, and the only way that I can talk to God is through prayer, and I never really was taught, like, how to listen to God, and it wasn't really till I started. Well, I definitely had a spiritual awakening, which I can go into another time, Um, but started learning a lot more about, like, what is God in the universe, and learning that God is everything. We're all connected. And that everything is a way that God speaks to us. And I think nature for me kind of helps. Like we are nature. Like we're not separate from nature. Like we are meant to operate in seasons. We're not meant to rush anything. Everything happens in perfect timing Um, you know, and, and animals kind of bring us back to like the present, like they're not even aware of the past or future. They have worries or judgments or ambitions they are just pretty much focused on the present moment. And, um, I think just like nature reminds us that like, like going out into physical nature reminds us that like, we are all connected We are nature and that we're actually meant to operate that way. We're not meant to like be working 24 seven all day. We're meant to have moments of, of work or like, like, for example, that would be like physically going to a job or, um, physical work of like training or moving our bodies, exercising, but, the rest of the day is like relaxation and play and just like being present. And I feel like animals like really help us remember that. Yeah. Um And I guess like going back to the athletics um there's like this idea that more is better. Um more training, more exercise eating less food to lose weight, training longer, just doing more and more and more. And in reality, we operate better when we slow down and we have more of that play and presence and mm, not always working. What is um what is your like perspective on like that with like how I see it is that like society has kind of made it seem like we're supposed to always be working towards something and like kind of has idolized the grind mentality. So I am curious, like your perspective on that in regards okay. to like, yeah, nature and everything.
1: Yeah, well, something you said really sh- struck me. I wanted to share it back with you, but you said, you know, nature's a part of us. That we're part of nature. And if if that's true and we're not in connection or in communication with nature, we're not going to be there then we're attempting to live our life by almost amputating a part of ourselves mm. by being living separate from part of ourselves. That's a big ask. To, to cut off part of yourself and expect to live a life of wellness. Mm. So that I just want to put that in there because that really struck me of how if, if we really are from the earth if we really are from nature and we're not in connection with it it's almost like an amputation or even like um i don't know like a like a severance like we just part of us is missing
0: that's a powerful visual
1: yeah imagine imagine just like not having an arm or something yeah so that's 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 a reality for me is that I feel a piece of me missing when I don't when I don't allow for that when I don't create space there kind of lost track of your question.
0: <laughs> I said how a lot of society has mm, basically damn. lost touch with nature and not like lost touch with being in nature, lost touch with realizing that we are nature and they're just, it's this idea that we have to always be working and always be going and always being so fast-paced. So I was curious what comes to mind with that.
1: Yeah, that feels real for me. You know, before, I don't know, say three and a half, four years before I kind of started onto this real- beautiful path of coaching. My life was in an executive world and in this, the spirits or alcohol world, entertainment, socializing, uh, consumption, education. And it was a a constant, uh, it's constant party and a constant to-do list. And when I look back, like there's a lot of beautiful memories or or partial memories. And uh, there's also, a real loss of sense of time because it was just like more, more, more. And it became eerily apparent to me that that was wildly unfulfilling. You know, I had a, I had a tremendous disconnect from myself. You know, I was sourcing my value based on my performance, mm-hmm. And other people's standards and that that had me unwell and so some of that was the stark reality from which I arrived into nature so like when nature started to speak and I came from such an eerie place of unwellness or or disorientation I was like all of a sudden it was as if somebody just turned a light on in a room that mattered that I hadn't even noticed was there. And that that brought some new vitality into my being and just was calling constantly, like almost like somebody in that room had a rattle or a drum and was just keeping a new tempo. And I was like, hey, pay attention over here. Boom, 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 boom. It's like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> what's
1: you that? Know? And, yeah, what's that? What's that? And, you know, as I lose my way, I'd hear it again, you know, boom, boom. Like, holy shit, there's something over there calling me. And every time i go back and create some space and, and sit in stillness, it's like, okay, that part of me is coming back online. So that all kind of brought me to um, like a big, uh, a big marking, a big, uh, Gosh, I don't even know how to introduce this, but a rites of passage an initiation of sorts, something called a vision quest or vision fast, where you spend time in community uh, three or four days and preparation and asking like, what in you needs to die so you can really live a rich um, and generative life, getting clear and marking that with prayer and ceremony and ritual, and then taking those offerings of tears and sorrow, and prayer and letting go and forgiveness out into the land with nothing more than a tarp and a sleeping bag, maybe a couple ritual items, a journal and some water and sitting in stillness for four days and four nights and just being with, all of that and so that's kind of where i find my path weaving now is is in that world you know right now i'm in preparation for my second spirit quest in march i'll head out into death valley and that will be a a marking of a great threshold from the last three and a half years has been uh, a massive transformation in career with that somewhat of a loss of uh, egoic identity Who Mm -hmm. am I without that job? Who am I without this community? Um, Letting go of of consumption of alcohol, you know, who am I without the numbing? What does my pain feel like? And what is it trying to tell me? Where, where does my life really want me to go? And coming online with deeper connection with myself. Um, Both my parents are ill. They're at the end of their life and, Um, so much of what I've been nourishing and training is really coming online right now. And so this transition period, this threshold going from something to something else is coming to an end for me. And so going out to death Valley to, to take those prayers, the questions of, you know, can I do this? (laughs) Have I suffered enough? You know, maybe the doubts and fears that come with, you know, the new places we try to go or the new places that we're going and hold those in a sacred place and sit with those in stillness and mark those with ritual. So that's, that's what the future has for me is to, to go and and mark the end of this great liminal space or this transition and to, to let spirit really bless that massive transition and then bring it back to the community, tell that story, and allow them to mirror it back. And the truth is, is that sort of experience takes years to really unpack itself. You know, some some people will say, like, 10 years after their first vision quest, they're still feeling some deeper understanding about what they experienced out
0: there. Wow, that was a lot of... A lot. I could... We could go into. Um, but yeah, like you said, like it does take a long time to go through these transformations. Um I'm curious, I'm gonna go back to mm-hmm. um the vision quest. You said that you would go out pretty much like in nature for like four days with minimal mm-hmm. things. Yeah. What were you, like, for anyone listening and, like, wondering, like, what were you doing in that time? How did you get the clarity? How did you let go of all these things? Like, what was going on?
1: Mm. Well, there's a lot of preparation. You know, you mentioned um, a good bit of your relationship with the more than spirit world, or as you used uh, God, um, was prayer. For me, in preparation for it, you know, I spent four months beforehand preparing so up here, there's some red prayer ties. There's small bits of red cloth, put some ceremonial tobacco in them, and spoke a prayer and tied them onto a string. And that string was uh, added to. I contributed prayers to that for about two and a half months. You know, anywhere between four and ten a day. So that thing was so long. It contained so many prayers from me, and also I invited those prayers to come in for my community. Mm -hmm. Things that they were sharing for me or things they wanted me to carry up that mountain for them. So that was one of the bits of preparation. One of the other bits of preparation was to go out on the land for a whole day wander, holding a question. And not eat just a fasted, what you would call a medicine walk. So you arrive at the trail uh, before the sun rises and you walk with no food and just a question in your heart and come back after the sun has set with no intention of going anywhere. And then another bit of ceremony and preparation was to to set a fire and set two seats for ancestors and literally tell the story of your life. Mm. And Through that, place a stone in the fire and bake that story into that stone. Ancestors would say that stones are story keepers. So tell that story to that stone and bake that story into that stone. And after the story is fully told, douse that stone with water, with essence and oils of your ancestral land, and let that take the story up into the air. So that's a bit of the preparation. But arriving on the land in those four days, some of it is like, okay, what do I do? You're like, fuck, there's nothing to do. Mm. Well, there is, you know, you set up a tarp. And I'll tell you my first, like, brilliant vision, if you will, came when I set it up and I thought it was so awesome. And I was like, okay, I got to get somebody to show them how cool this is. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, 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 you need validation. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that was like within 90 minutes. I was like immediately faced with this. Shadow, if you will, of mine of needing to do something and have it validated, and so there was like an immediate like, oh, you can't unsee that. So it was just an uncomfortable awareness in that moment, Mm -hmm. and then it started raining, and I'm like, (laughs) oh man, I'm glad that I set up such a good shelter. So just crawl under and hope for the best, and. Wonder how long, if it's going to rain for four days, or, and then you look around and you're like, wow, there's a lot of spiders here. (laughs) Like, okay, um, now what? You know, and just this, it's kind of exactly what you imagine. There's nowhere to go, nothing to do but be right there. And so at a certain point, you're like, okay, what am I here to do? What am I here? Like, I'm here to mark something. And so you dive into your journal with well, all the preparation. Okay, like, I need to forgive this person. I need to ask this person for forgiveness. And you start these conversations. You sit with the prayers, all the things that you offered and asked for. And you start to really make the ceremony you went to be. Like, you become the ceremony. Mm. And it's not like, lighting stuff and dancing but it can be it truly like if you need to dance or if you need to like scream or rip your clothes off and get primal like it's it's there the nature is there to witness you but once you do it all you literally fall back down to the ground and you're just with what's inside and the conversation outside again and in some ways it cycles through that over (laughs) over four days you know Sometimes you get real lonely. You're like, "What am I doing here?" Mm. And then it echoes. It's like, "What am I doing?" Okay, what am I doing? Okay, I know. Okay, I know what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. And then you come back. It's just like this movement, in and out, in and out.
0: Mm. What was it like, like the first day versus like that last day? But hmm. I can assume like it gets like clearer and like maybe less uncomfortable. But I'm, what was it like? Like the difference? What did you notice? Hmm.
1: The first day was very, it was very anticipated like four months or five months of like, okay, I'm going to do this thing and then I'm here and like, okay okay (laughs) (laughs) you know and so you you set up and then it starts raining you're like okay wow this is this is real (laughs) all right am I really as prepared as I thought I was you know can I can I be can I be in this can I can I hold myself in this um yeah and I think on the fourth day any boredom Your like your heartbeat, the the heartbeat of the world has consumed you. You're now existing in this place of I don't eat, like I don't have chores to do.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I don't have a watch. I don't have sense of time other than when the sun comes up and sun goes down. Um, and you know I'm being I'm being present. Like there's a like tremendous presence. Uh, on the third day, I wrote my whole story. just the whole thing. <laughs> it must be like twenty five or thirty pages. Wow, I remember getting done and just my hand being completely sore, and I thought to myself like i need to I need to rinse myself. So I scurried down this massive hill. It must have been four or five hundred yards. I just went straight down mm-hmm. to the river, and I just stripped my clothes off and jumped right in and rinsed myself. And then I went back up and just kind of was like, okay, like, that was really great to witness that story. And like, now, now what? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of that. Um, but the final day, the prescription for the final day was a purpose circle. And uh, essentially, you tend to fire that's probably no bigger than 12 inches around. And you do it from sundown all the way to sunup. This fire is not meant to warm you. It's really meant to be attending of your spirit. And you invite everyone in your life that you need to talk to. It must have been 12 hours of placing small sticks that are no bigger than my thumb around, maybe like eight to 10 inches long, adding them. Hey, you come in. I need to talk to you. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I forgive you. I love you and spiritually people coming and going all through the night (laughs) and at a certain point you're like i'm done and the sun's not up and you're like okay keep tending the fire and then out of nowhere someone else comes and you're like oh i didn't realize we needed to talk okay and Hmm. then a little bit more and then at a certain point you're like okay like i could probably let this fire go out you're like no i committed like keep it going i'm like come on son come on son I'd be looking over the horizon. <laughs> I see you coming. I see you coming. Come on. We're almost here. <laughs> and so there's everything that you think it would be. The uncomfortable silence. The longing for it to be over. The deep stillness. The conversations. The tears. The laughter. The awkwardness. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It sounds, I wanna do that, I wanna do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's very much worth uh, anyone that feels called to do it to invest the energy to prepare. Because the piece that I'd say is that if someone called me when I was walking out the door to go to the quest and said, hey, you made it, it's over. And it was all about the prep, I would have been like, holy shit, that was incredible. Cause I invested so much in preparing mm. and there's also what comes after. So just like any kind of uh, plant medicine ceremony, what you get in that moment is not it. It's what you do with it. Mm. So there's no fast medicine here. This is go and receive an experience, a vision and then bring it home. And live that vision live that feeling and trust that over time you'll understand it more and more
2: Mm.
0: so what what vision did you get Mm. from the whole experience like what did you get out of it bring Mm. back
1: well the teacher that i sat with first you know his offering was what you've gathered here sacred gear me And so don't rush back to your village and just start handing out all of your sacred deer meat from the skeleton, make tools from the meat, dry it and preserve that nutrients for many, many years to come and make, uh, clothes from the hide and over time, share that with your community. So there are little bits that I can share with you. Um, but one of it is, you know, I went out there to put down old and broken tools, places in me that needed to be a chameleon or play small to fit in and belong, um, a peacekeeper that needed to like make everything better. And I literally, for four days, I took these tools up onto a hill and I I, I put them on the ground ceremony and said, I, great spirit, I bring these here to bury my broken tools. I trust you're going to bring them back to me thinking I've lost them, (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know? And I did that day after day. And I thought that was going to like rid me of these tools, these things that I've long used to survive.
2: Mm.
1: And I realized that they'll always be a part of me. And just like the tools we got when we first got to college, an underweighted hammer, a giant roll of duct tape and a really wonky saw, like, we don't have to discard those or dishonor those, in order to learn how to use new tools. Mm. And so for me, the, the, the piece that I'll share with you is that you can stop using the old tools and still honor them, that you don't have to discard the entire experience or dishonor it to move on, evolve, grow and utilize new tools in how you relate to yourself and the world.
0: Hmm. So if I were to put that another way, is that basically kind of saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, but is that mm-hmm. kind of like saying like, when someone is evolving and like on like a internal level Mm -hmm. um how i see it is that like it's like you have got to let go of old parts of you old behaviors Mm -hmm. old thought patterns to move into like the new Mm -hmm. but it sounds like what you're saying is that like those old pieces don't really ever leave you Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you can still appreciate them and love them but it's like choosing to just use the new is that
1: that would That would be, yeah, that would be what I'm saying. My experience teaches me. Mm -hmm. And even more so that that story, that path, those tools got me to this place right now. So they must be some pretty damn good tools. They -hmm. must have actually helped me succeed to get through all of the stuff I needed to. That doesn't mean they're fit for where I'm going. And so if that's true that's some sacred story right there. And so that deserves honor and reverence rather than disowning them.
0: Mm. So you mentioned earlier that nature is like a part of us. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of us have been like neglecting that part of us. Um, and then you just said, I feel like I'm not going to say this exactly how you said it, but basically like those were parts of us, like the way that we used to operate. Mm-hmm. So what, I'm not really sure how to ask this question, but like, why not just like throw throw them out? Like, why not just like throw those old parts of you out and just like totally forget about them? Like, I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of people want to do that.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think they do. And in some ways, I think that's what we do with, say, like emotions, mm. anger, sadness, and maybe this is just a personal analogy for me. But uh, because so much of my work is uh, through losing an original innocence in my life, maybe having to grow up too soon through some bullying, and so um, a lot of my work is tending to my young one, my my personal like younger self. Mm-hmm. So I relate to that question from the idea of like, what happens when you ignore a young child? Oftentimes that young child starts to act out, they get rambunctious, they demand your attention. And so if you cast these parts of you aside, in my experience, those parts that I cast aside start getting louder, they start misbehaving, they, st- they start uh, demanding That I pay attention to them. Hmm. So what I've found is the more that I call them in, the more that I honor them, let them know I notice them, respect them and love them, that I can put my attention into the places that I really want to go. Hmm. So like we can relate this back to an athlete and say, okay, say an athlete had an eating disorder and this athlete, uh, Got through high school, they had this eating disorder, and now they've kind of moved on from that. They have a healthier, um, a healthier relationship with food, but it's also very intentional because they have to give themselves enough caloric intake for the right season, whether it be a preseason or a postseason or a recovery season, and so they have to be very mindful and in deep intentional relationship, and so that keeps them so close to their old eating disorder. And if they try to act like it never happened, sometimes it can sneak back in. Mm. But if they act like it happened and say, hey, I see you. And you got me through one of the hardest points of my life. I was seeking to belong. That belonging made me safe. And I made it. I've processed that. I've healed a lot of that. That's still part of me. And I'm in new relationship with food. And so by sitting down and saying, hey, I know you're there. I know sometimes you're asking for my attention, but this is the relationship I have now with food. There's a lot cleaner relationship. And that athlete gets to show up in their pureness the more that they pay attention to that sacredness of the story that got them all the way here to that point.
0: Mm. I think there's a lot of power in like owning all of you. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the main messages of this like episode as from what i'm seeing yeah in the sense of nature in the sense of owning the old parts of yourself owning what i like to call like our inner demons or like i say facing our dragons and it's like when when we can be present for example going into nature and be aware of all of these thoughts that we're having judgments oh i'm seeking validation oh this comes up when we're like more present and able to acknowledge like all the parts of ourselves like and not neglect those parts of ourselves. Like that's when we are like the most powerful because mm-hmm. we are fully aware of all parts of ourselves. We I'm Sure I want to go with this. There's just so much power in the awareness of like knowing who we are in like all aspects. And yeah. I think like presence really is like, like, if you're not present to those things, like, you can't acknowledge them, you can't accept them, you can't give love to those parts of ourselves. Yeah. Um,
1: So well, the part that's jumping out at me where this wants to go, if you'll allow me, yeah, is like, what is presence? How do we get present? Mm. You know, and I would, I would say that this conversation can walk a parallel path of like, okay, I'm in nature, how do I get present? Or I'm an athlete, how do I get present? You know, the wild outside, as I explained, it was the depth of old growth forest and the desolation of desert, but also that tree in our neighborhood. So as an athlete walking into a stadium, there's a tree there somewhere. And you have all five senses, as the West considers our senses, smell, taste. So can you feel the breeze? You know, one of the the markers that I have for the quality of life, what is my definition of success is is actually present. When I look back from my last breath, how present was I? You know, in a World Series win, can I smell the bready yeastiness of the champagne that's being sprayed in my eye? Can I hear that there's a little kid in the corner crying because he lost his dad and somehow snuck into the locker room? And can I feel that one of my socks somehow fell off and do I notice that one of my teammates not here because he actually is with his sick father somewhere? Can I be that present? And on the other side, in the depths of loss, like if I'm at my father's deathbed, can I smell the jasmine that's blowing in through the window? Can I hear down the hall that somebody just had a child? You know, can I feel the softness of the blanket that I purchased from my father? Can I be present in all the different places? But for me, the most important place to be present is in those mundane moments. When I take a dog for a walk, can I put my phone away? When I'm washing the dishes, can I feel the warm water and smell what that smells like? and hear the music that I put on? Or am I so tied up in what's left to do in all the places that I'm not in that moment? And so the how do you get present is like tap into your senses. What are five things that I can see? What are four things that I can smell? What are three things that I can touch? What can I taste? What can I hear? And so as you start to tap into those places, you go from all these other places that you're not to all the places that you are. So that can happen in nature. That can happen anywhere an athlete might show up. Whether you're in a wrestler and you smell the rubber mats and the sweat and the Gatorade. Or you're out on the track and you smell the grass and you hear the stands and you hear that little kid, hey, come over here and sign my jersey.
0: Mm. The thing that comes up for me with one of the things that comes up for me with all of that is like. It kind of goes back to like having fun,
2: mm.
0: like enjoy the process. Like I think athletics is such a great metaphor for life where yeah. life is not about chasing anything. It's not about outcomes. It's about just enjoying all of life, every moment, every every experience, the highs, the lows, the heartbreak, the the joy, everything. And it's the same in athletics. You're only, I mean, you can be an athlete your whole life, but in reality, like, especially like elite athletes, like you do have a a timeline Mm -hmm. and why not enjoy as all of it as fully as you can, the losses, the wins, practices, like being present as much as you can, like There's so much power to doing that and going back to like performance flow state is being present your best Mm -hmm. performance is when you are present when you were in the moment. And so I feel like for anyone listening to this whether you're an athlete or you're not the keys I think that have stuck out in this whole conversation is presence how it actually helps us perform better but also just be better helps us see like what's true like what really matters
2: Mm.
0: not our phones not the outcome it's just being present in the moment hearing what's going on in yourself getting to know yourself like all of these things are what matter Mm there. There's like a bigger picture to it.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll bring it back for me to the question of like, when you're taking your last breath, what, what will you look back and, and judge your life on? Everyone has a different marker of success for me. From this seat and from the last three years it's been how present am i Mm. how present can i be when i look back i'm gonna feel i'm imagining i'm gonna feel the more i was present the more access i had to my life
2: Mm.
1: you know there's a there's a study that shows that some of the darkest moments for athletes is the day after they win or achieve their greatest goal yes and if you speak to someone that's at the highest of their performance at the end of their career it's likely they're going to tell you stories about all kinds of games or practices or lessons or friendships along the way and in my eyes in my heart that's a demonstration of how much the process the entire journey mattered not they're not going to take you to the wall and be like see how many rings or trophies I got And be like that person impacted me this way. This season changed me. This event brought me closer to my father. And so to me, I can't help but notice like how important it is to fall in love with the process, as you said.
0: Mm -hmm. I love this.
2: Hmm.
0: I feel like this is a good spot to to wrap up i feel like we covered a lot of really good stuff and and it wrapped itself up very well without us really trying so i loved that Mm -hmm. um i have two questions one sure questions i want to ask you um the first one is what is a champion to you
1: Mm. well you didn't tell me this ahead of time so give me just a sec
0: well that's the point (laughs) yeah
1: good you got me (laughs) What is a champion? I would say champion in my eyes is someone that is deeply connected to something greater than themselves is present in the process. And stays in integrity to that throughout.
0: I, I resonate with that very much. Mm. I love that. So thank you. Yeah. And the second one is, is what would be one thing? Is there any message you want to share with anyone that I haven't really asked you?
1: Mm. I wouldn't say a message to share that we haven't talked about, but uh, two invitations. One would be notice places where you might have put tourniquets on your being or, or cut off parts of yourself. And start to loosen that tourniquet and let blood flow to that part of you, whether that's an old story, a wound, your connection with nature. And just let blood flow into those places. Let vitality come back to the places that you've cut yourself off from, whether that be play or presence or nature, or maybe that childhood wound that informs where you make your decisions from that you refuse to acknowledge. And find some play Find some play, like go outside, take a walk, carry a question. You don't have to go far to be in connection with nature.
0: Well, I love that. Mm. So thank you, Brian, for coming on, being a guest. It's been a long time coming, but we've had this planned relatively for a while. Yeah. I'm um very, very grateful to have you on to have you share your story your i would say very different perspective from like a lot of people yeah. um that I resonate with a lot, but I think you have very like very deep soul, and a lot of people need to hear this kind of stuff. you're reminded of all of this. So I just want to say thank you.
1: Yeah, you're welcome.
0: And um, if
1: anyone's trying to find me, um, I'm very present on LinkedIn at Ryan Conklin. Um, You can also find me on Instagram. Uh, Conklin Chronicles is kind of a personal site. And then my coaching site is the Bridger coaching and uh, reach out. I'm more than happy to get uh, on a phone call and connect with you. I'd love to hear what you're working on. And just uh, support you starting to let blood flow into those constricted places in your life.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna put all that in the description so people can cool. access that. Yep. Um, yeah. And is there anything else you want to add, Ryan?
1: No, thank you. Um, and yeah, I think just to call people back to the invitation, presence and in play, presence and play. Let the blood flow into those places.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh I highly recommend anyone talking to Ryan if you have the opportunity to, because every time I talk to Ryan, I'm like (laughs) just like I get something out of it. And he's just a great human being. So Ryan, thank you again so much. Um everyone who listened, thank you so much for checking in. I really hope you had some really good value out of this. Um, as always, like if there was a message that you got out of this episode, please share it on social media, share it with your friends. Um, message both of us, either of us, if you have questions mm-hmm. or something came up and you want to chat more about it. Like I know I'm very open to, I love those messages and I know Ryan would be too. Yeah. And so definitely just connect with us. We want to connect with you. Um, and yeah, with that said, um, subscribe so you don't miss out any, um, other episodes. Please review, rate and review five stars, all that fun stuff. If you loved it. And until next time, peace and love. Bye.
1: Deep gratitude.